Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, Monday on the Horn, just trying to sort it all out. Longhorns found a way, found a way to win in overtime, a game that uh, for the early portion looked like it was going to be a blowout. Then again, early in the third quarter when Texas forced back-to-back turnovers and took a 20-point lead. Felt like uh, easy street to the win, but, uh, you know, these Longhorns don't like to make anything easy. They're going to make you stress. And, yeah, the turnover machine as K-State scored three touchdowns in an eight-play span to go from down 27-7 to tied. The only reason it was tied is they missed an extra point. They botched an extra point. It should have been 28-27. But that was good fortune. And, yeah, it came quick, man. Chris Kleiman's decision to go for it. Also good fortune. Now, Amazing. Texas played well. They held them. That was a great play by Texas. And Ryan Watts with the, uh, you know, the zone coverage that he essentially faked that it was like man impressed. That was great assignment sound football. But Chris Kleiman, I think he made a dang coaching mistake. I do too. I, I do. I mean, I think the the yeah. I mean, the you're, feel of the game. So you're been. one overtime yeah. into two, like one more is going to be the normal, and then the, the next one's going to be going for two essentially into the third overtime now in college football. But you still have one chance, and that, you know it's an all or nothing play. If you get it, you win, and you walk out of the building. If you don't, game's over. Uh, knowing that you are a, a, a good team in the red zone statistically for the year, and Texas is not. Not. Um, also knowing that Texas is really good at red zone defensively. Yes, in top five. Um, and maybe that's part of it, that he felt, felt like, man, this might be the closest we get. Uh, they, they hit that big 19-yard pop on first down to, to Sinat, or Sinat, and uh, they were going to him on that fourth down play. Could be. Uh, but maybe he thought, you know, we may not get this close again. We've had a hard time moving the ball. Not throwing it in. Yeah. They well, were throwing it. They were actually moving it decent, yeah. making some plays, throwing the football. Yeah, that's where. That's, they, why they, that's how they got down there. Yeah. They couldn't run the football anymore. They Texas couldn't. took that away. No. Well, and really, I mean, it's amazing because I love doing the uh, on Texas football, inside Texas, on Texas football, watch along. Because you're part of it, and Jerry's a part of it, and Bobby, and all the all the crew at Inside Texas, we have a great time. Mm-hmm. But it but allows me to, as I watch the game, we're kind of documented as it happens. And the Longhorns, this is the I'm trying to remember the the last time. Um, no, it was it was uh, it was gosh, it was two weeks ago against Houston. Well, this game was similar to Houston because there oh, was, yeah, it was there was a point in the second quarter. Remember when I said Rod, Texas has three touchdowns, U of H has two first downs. And it was such a thoroughly dominant performance yep. on both sides. You're like, this thing's going to get ugly. Next thing you know, fake field goal, fake field goal momentum, touchdown, touchdown, and it's a ball game. This thing happened here, too. I was, we were, it was 27-7 because after the Ethan Burke strip fumble and then the Jonathan Brooks touchdown, it felt like, okay, deep breath. We, we're going to get out of here. Uh, only thing we can't do is turn the ball over. Well, gosh, well, then at the end of the third quarter, Kansas State goes on their first significant drive of the game. Uh, they took it down the field, and they did it, as you said, they abandoned the run and said, look, we've got to throw the ball. Got to. Uh, we, we are not going to do this any other way. And they took it down the field and put it in the end zone, and they went from their own 25-yard line 
and it was you know a little bit of run, but mostly short passing game. Then the passing game heated up, and then they end up in the end zone. And it felt like, at least I haven't watched the whole game up to that point, that Texas – well, I will also say this. They, they took Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy off the field that series, and it was mm-hmm. Trill Carter yeah. and Vernon Broughton at tackles. And they had a little bit – They had the, the middle pressure wasn't coming like it was, and, and Will Howard was able to get comfortable. Remember, the, the pressure off the left side, their right tackle, kind of like t- the Cowboys' right tackle, mm-hmm. Terrence Steele, really struggled in this game. Uh, Baron Sorrell's had a sack off the left side. You know, Ethan Burke came off the left side. But in that drive, Texas had some backups, you know, late in third quarter trying to make sure their starters were fresh for the fourth, and that's where they got the momentum. And they went down the field, and they went on that yep. drive. And on the last play of the third quarter, because I remember watching the, the broadcast thinking, they're not going to get this off, guys. They're not going to get this because the, the clock was running down. This is going to be the end of the third quarter. It snapped, like, with a mid- second and a half to go. And Will Howard completed a short pass to, to Phillip Brooks. Yep who took a short play and turned it into 26 yards on a touchdown. What did Sark say all last week? We have to tackle. We have to tackle. We've got to get the ball to the ground. If it's designed to go for 10 yards, it can only go for 10. This went for 26 and a touchdown. Because yep. even then you're thinking, okay, well, we're going to come back to the fourth Still. quarter and they're going to be in the red zone and Texas can get their starters back on the field and hold this thing to a field goal or force them out. And that touchdown I thought was, was kind of big. It was almost too easy because Michael Taff had a chance to push him out of bounds and missed him. Ryan Watts had a chance to tackle him or get him out of bounds and both missed him and he walked into the end zone. That was the first time the whole game I felt like the defense gave in a little. They relaxed a little. Yeah, they relaxed a little. Uh, the touchdown right before the half, which was you know came after a block punt and sudden change and all that, you know, that that's – you know, I, I think that's excusable. They they hit a coverage that they liked and hit a throw. This was a drive to where it felt like the intensity the whole way down the field was lacking compared to what the rest of the game had been, and, and it ended up with two missed tackles into the end zone. Well, then that, then we know what happened on the next play, the uh, next series. Malik Murphy throws the interception, the one you cannot throw uh, to nobody. I <laughs> just kind of threw it out there for anybody to catch. That was a mistake. They capitalized on a touchdown. Then Jonathan Brooks fighting for extra yards, fumbles. They capitalize. Uh, that is that is a roller coaster of emotions, Rod. And if you're a fan and you're watching this game, thinking, "Oh my gosh, we just went from 27 to seven to tied like that," mm-hmm. imagine the players. Yeah. Uh, and this is what you you're talking about with this team. Now you're in the fourth quarter. You have a quarterback who's struggling, and how are we going to find a way to win this game? That's the football culture. That's the football. Uh, character. character you talk about that is strong with this team, that they didn't rattle, they didn't fold up tent. They said, you know what, let's find a way. Yep. Let's find a way to win this game. Yeah, they got – I mean, I think they have good, you know, leadership on this team that you know, they don't panic in that situation. And we've seen all season. And Sark said it during the game. Go back and watch the broadcast during the in-game interview when she's asking him about how things are turning and the momentum shifting. He says, no, we'll, we'll win in the fourth quarter. That's, you know, that's when we're going to find a way to make some plays. The fourth quarter is where we got to win this game. And I think, you know, Sark has all, all season – pretty much program this team, right? You get what you emphasize. He's emphasized be a second-half team, being a fourth-quarter team, and I'll give him props. Maybe should emphasize red zone. Maybe should emphasize some other stuff, but uh, it's okay. We wanted to see this team win games in the fourth quarter last year, win one-score games, right? Respond in the second half. Respond to adversity. This team does all those things. <laughs> they really do. It doesn't always look as pretty, and yes, probably some of these games should be blowouts, and they should even be this close, um, but you know, it is a K State is a you know they are they are a decent football team. That's a good football team. Texas just really early on just shell shocked them with how good Texas rush defense was. And then once they recalibrated and start throwing the football, they made some plays. But I think Ryan Watts is pretty much the 
he really is kind of the epitome of what happened to Texas in this game. He's you brought you brought the twenty six yard touchdown. It's really on him giving that up because he catches it in front of him, and then he's supposed to at least make the play or push him out of bounds. He doesn't. And that was a hell of a, a move by Phillip Brooks. He had to spin move and everything, and tight ropes the sideline. Yeah, video game. It, it was a great play, but come on, Ryan Watts, you're a better player than that. You got to make that play. And then Ryan Watts also gave up the deep ball. You know, that was a deep ball. I think it was a Jace Brown. as a deep ball down the field that he gave up in bump and run coverage. So he was having, you know, was having an inconsistent game. He was having an up and down game, um, but he did not let deter him, let let that deter him or distract him in that final on that final play. He was assignment sound, assignment sound to the point where he even was able to throw out uh, some miscues and misinformation uh, as an indicator for Will Howard who thought he was a man because he's so comfortable playing press at that boundary corner that I've told you guys, he plays press even when he's in zone. He's done that before. This is not the first time he's done that. This is not him breaking tendency in a big moment. He does that all the time. Well, he, he believes he has good vision at the line of scrimmage and that he can redirect wide receivers and still be able to make plays. That's why he's such a, a great force uh, defender in the run game because he still plays close to the line of scrimmage. Also, why he is probably at his worst as a coverage defender once you get his hips turned and he's downfield. Yeah. That's when you got him. But at the line of scrimmage, he's great. But I love that he had the bounce back factor. I had plays like that too. I had a game-winning interception in the Oklahoma State game my senior year. But earlier in the game, I had given up like a deep ball earlier in the game. That was crucial, and it was a tight game too. And I, Coach Akin always told me, man, that was my favorite game for you because you gave up the D ball, but you battled back, stopped the two point conversion on on that same drive where I gave up the D ball, and then got the game winning interception in, in the fourth quarter late in that game. He said, I saw you battle adversity, I saw you struggle, but then I saw you come out on top and make a game saving play. Same thing with Ron Watts. I saw him struggle. Everybody's gonna have bad games and struggle and make mistakes, and mental errors. Um, how do you battle back, right? You, you can get, you can fall down. Just don't stay down. And the way he came out and, and played uh, on that final drive, when it mattered most, all of those guys, that's what got them to win. A game-winning goal line stand. A lot of it was because of the way that Ryan Watts did respond. Very well said, without a doubt. Yeah, they, again, it's not a great team. It has a chance to do some great things this year, but uh, you know, great teams finish and, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, finish a game and don't make it complicated. Uh, but so they're they're a frustratingly flawed team, but really, really good is what I would say, right? And they still have some holes. I would also say, you know, the the, the ten penalties is a problem. This is when you're playing with a backup quarterback, he can't turn the ball over. A Sark has to help him with some momentum plays when he's managing the game with his play calling. But then at the same time, you can't have all these pre-snap penalties. I mean, they had like eight or eight pre-snap procedure penalties. When you're when you're playing a pretty good defense like K-State, Rod, and you're first and 15 over and over again, I mean, those were killers. I mean, that, sure. that was that was preventing Texas from blowing this game out early when this is something, this is the discipline that Sark has to – it's still amazing to me. They went into Alabama, beat beat this this really – turned out to be pretty darn good Alabama team. Yeah. Um, without a single penalty. They didn't have one pre-snap offensive penalty on the road at Tuscaloosa yet. At home, they consistently have four or five, and in this game, it's like six or seven. Yeah, and I, I, yep, that's a great point. I, I will say that I'll go back to I, I bet a lot of the plays that were run in the Bama game had been practiced, rehearsed, and choreographed for months. months. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That was and the, then, that, and that, that everybody was on the same page because they were really familiar with those plays. And I think as the, obviously the season goes on, you have a week to prepare for teams, especially with a backup quarterback, right, and all the intricacy of the pre-snap motions and shifts in Sark's offense. And I, I even in my notes too, I kind of wrote that down as well. 
fewer pre-snap motions and shifts as that game went on. Because I think Sark got a little frustrated. I think with, he did too. With all of the different penalties, he's like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to line up. I'm not even going to shift in motion. You still had some of it, but it wasn't as much. I, well, I bet the rate was very low considering how high. He's usually a 50%, 55% pre-snap motion shift rate guy. Uh, I bet this game it drops precipitously low that rate. Well, let's also say that they were playing without Christian Jones, their right tackle, who yes. got hurt in practice last week, and that was big. I mean, you had hey. Cameron Williams making his first start at right tackle right he, next to DJ Campbell, who's a young guy at right guard, and they held up, but at the same time, several of those pre-stat penalties were on. JT Sanders had one, uh, but they just got to clean that. You, when you're going on the road back-to-back games now with everything in front of you. That's true. They got to be cleaner than that. They just um, do. And Cam Williams is a run blocker. That's a big dude, man. As a run blocker, he is a force. Uh, that, it really is. He is a force as a run block. I gotta go back and check him out as a pass blocker, but man, run blocking. That was some plays he just stood out, just just move, mowing guys down and moving the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Christian Jones comes back. It's another thing we didn't bring up enough. You know, I think they are more assignment sound as well. If Christian Jones did not that, yeah, Cam he's Williams a was six terrible. year player. Yeah. Uh, again, so you got a backup quarterback, a starting right tackle, and then at times Kelvin Banks in the fourth quarter went out of that game for a brief little bit. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks got nicked up a little yeah. bit, and he left the game for a little bit. That is, back. and you know the John, the Christian Jones thing, no one knew about it because it, you know Sark didn't mention it. Must have happened in practice. Then the next thing you know, he's not playing in the game. Good for him. You're like, not wow. Mention. You don't need to mention that. That giving K State something to try to attack a young buck, you know, out yeah. there at right tackle. I totally get it. Uh, the first thing that. I first time I heard of it was Jerry Hamilton. We were about to start our watch along. He said, yep. guys, said uh, Christian Jones not dressed out. Yep. Like why? Christian I Jones. We got started inside Texas too. I think, yeah, Sark knows. He mentioned that on Wednesday. People start panicking. Yeah. There's a big topic of conversation. But, but, you know, Sark's true to his word on those things. He says we're going to let him work out ahead of the game, and then we'll see. Like Ethan Burke, they, they felt like he had practiced and they weren't sure. And then he showed up and uh, was ready to go, and he got a big game. And a huge game. Huge. I mean, him and Baron Sorrell with three sacks between them yeah. combined. So it was good to see those guys. But, uh, yeah, no Christian Jones. Uh, still no Colton, you know, Cole Hudson wasn't even dressed, uh, the right guard, starting right guard. Uh, so those guys were out for that football game. And obviously Jalen Catalan continuing to not be available for yeah. the Longhorns. I mean, that's how this team can get a whole lot better once they get healthier down the stretch. And obviously it comes with Quentin Ewers, too, as a starting quarterback. Yeah, that would be the first one. <laughs> yeah. And as we pointed out, you know, they're flawed. They're still not executing. No. At a really high level in some crucial areas, including red zone, yeah. <laughs> most notably. Um, and now we're seeing. I would you know, imagine you'll hear Sark say that today after watching the film. We're 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 eight and one. We're number seven in the country. We're sitting atop the Big Twelve, but we still haven't played our best football. Still have not really. I mean, <laughs> Bama is probably their peak yeah. uh, this season so far, uh, and they have yet to really get you know, to that level of play consistently for four quarters of play. We've seen flashes, a quarter of amazing. Yeah, they play in you know, spurts right gang now. Gangbuster football. And then you'll see exactly the lack of focus. And it was it, all the phases contributed to kind of the meltdown against uh, Kansas, Kansas State because you had the, you know, the offense turning the football over, special teams, block getting the button, block punt, and defense. The only thing I can criticize about defense is the two-minute defense. I mean, they – they have been bad. They are bad. That is something. You know, you're looking for things now that have pretty much been uh, trends and patterns you can track throughout the entire season, not outliers, not anomalies. You know what I mean? Just things that, no, this is something that, hey, they've been bad at it damn near every game, and it tracks. That's red zone offense for Texas. That is two-minute defense for Texas defense. They just they can't figure that out. And you can be if you're a pass-first team against Texas, you can make some plays in the passing game. You know that. You can't. They're, they're, they're there for you. But the run game, we know this as well. 
you're gonna you're gonna get suffocated. They're gonna choke your run game out. That's that's, that's <laughs> no doubt. And TC now on alert. Texas Tech and Iowa State. Yeah. And uh, coming up uh, after Rod's rant, we'll get back into Texas. And uh, you know when the Longhorns got their schedule, and you realize we're not gonna have to face Mike Gundy this year. Well. You might. Nah. You might when it's all said and done. Yeah. Uh, if you want to win a Big 12 championship, that we'll get to that man. coming up, coming off the Bedlam game. But right now, let's get Rod's rant. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's get into one of the big stories from the NFL weekend that hits close to home. Uh, history was made uh, with the play of one C.J. Stroud. Uh, versus it was unbelievable game for CJ Stroud uh, in this game versus the Bucks. He broke the single game passing record. Uh, for those who don't know this, for a rookie, single game passing record for a rookie. And not only did he have an amazing game throwing the football, but he also led a game winning drive. He led the Texans on a game winning drive at the end of the game uh, to help pull out the victory. But here's my favorite stats about his performance 470 total yards. So, yes, a single game rookie passing yardage record. But my favorite stat is what he did in these situations. Because in these situations, CJ Stroud had a perfect passer rating. Yeah, I repeat, he had a perfect passer rating on first down, throwing the ball on first down. He had a perfect passer rating passing in the second half. <laughs> and he had a perfect passer rating when throwing the football on uh, the final game-winning drive. 158.3 passer rating. A perfect one in those situations. That is unheard of. You're talking about in all the clutch moments when he needed them, adjustments in the second half, the game-winning drive, and probably the easiest of those the stats to achieve would be on first down, how effective he was. First down is considered the easiest down to pass on because all the defenses are thinking run. And on first down, he was 16 of 19 for 298 yards, four touchdowns, and a perfect pass rating of 158.3 just on first down alone. When he threw the ball uh, 20 yards or more down the field, he was 6 of 8 for three touchdowns on deep passes down the field. It was one of the greatest performances we've ever seen from a quarterback, period, let alone the greatest performance in a game or that we've ever seen from a rookie quarterback in NFL history. How about this? Another one, too. 41.8 fantasy points. That was the most fantasy points by a rookie quarterback since 2011. And who was that? Andrew Luck? Since 2011. They didn't give it to me. He was? Maybe Cam Newton? I'm looking for it. Uh, Cam Newton would have been 2012. He didn't give it to me. That's amazing. It might have been Cam Newton, actually, because Cam Newton is 2011. Right? He was a rookie then. Yeah, I think so. And I would also say that, uh, you know, everything you just said is is like, wow. I mean, I sit here and watch him as a Texans fan, and it's hard to believe how good he is. It really is. Um, But then this is not an outlier to his season. Now, he hasn't been great every play of of the whole season, but he is having, you know, in addition to that game he just had, he's had, it's part of the best rookie season ever put together through halfway through a season by any quarterback. Uh, list them all. I mean, John Elway, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, you go through the list. Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning as a, as a rookie had 26 interceptions. 26. 
He threw a bunch of touchdowns, but he also had a lot of mistakes. C.J. Stroud is 23, 2,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, one pick all year, and he's got a passer rating of 103. He's a rookie he's a, he's on a, a team without a running game. <laughs> and a makeshift O-line. And an Mass O-line unit. that's underachieving and Mass banged up. Yeah, it's, uh, that is, this kid is really slick, man. Special. He's a special he, player. He is special. I mean, we've, like I said, that's, he's already in the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm not just – that's not hyperbole. His football, when he set the record for consecutive passes to start a career without an interception, that's already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I imagine he's going to get in there again, E. Because this is – no rookie has ever thrown for more yards in a game or more touchdowns in a game. It's the greatest rookie game ever for a quarterback in NFL history. He's going to go well, – he's going to be in the Hall of Fame twice in his rookie year. Well, and, and, <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody's ever said Houston Texans must, see, must see TV. That's but this guy's becoming – this guy's becoming someone you have to watch because he's having that kind of a season. Wow. Uh, with yeah, guys ne- next year he's going to be on primetime. Next year the Texans are going to be on primetime more, I don't know, he's a lot an, more just because of him. He's an it quarterback. And, you know, the bigger picture, can they win some more games? That Carolina game really stands out as one that uh, they're, they're going to regret. Uh, not winning because uh, Carolina went down yeah. kicked a field goal to beat them. But, the, I mean, yeah. they've got to win over Tampa Bay, who's a winning team, or at least was at one point. Uh, they've hit a couple of losses back-to-back now and fallen under 500. But they beat Pittsburgh, who's a winning team. They beat Jacksonville, who's a really good team. Uh, so he's already got some quality wins. Um, you know, beat the Saints, who's a winning team right now. I mean, so, I mean, this is this is no fluke. And it's, it's you know, we're doing it without a running game and doing it with receivers like Nico Collins and Tank Dell and – you know, Robert Woods was out yesterday, so it became Noah Brown. I mean, these are not household names, yet the numbers are pretty staggering. You also add to the fact that when you hear behind the scenes that no one studies more tape than the guy. He's a gym rat when it comes to that kind of stuff, the film study. He also, according to his coaches, doesn't make the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. He's big on that. If he makes a mistake, he doesn't want to make it again, which I think everybody says. But anyway, he actually does. Like, if he makes a, a misread or a miss, you know, get, get the wrong assignment, uh, he, cha- he gets it right. And he's also a leader, Rod. I mean, he's the guy that's making dinner for, you know, hired a chef for, for you know, teammates to come over and eat dinner on Friday nights before games and talk ball. Uh, he seems like a, a pretty special player. Well, he's all, and he, remember, he's the one that suggested to the Texans to draft Tank Dell, who was one of the 300-yard receivers that they had. He was one of the ones that said, hey, man, we got to draft this guy because they've been working out with him. So <laughs> he's actually helping out with evaluations, too. And remember the game, the go-ahead, what should have been a game-winning, but it was a go-ahead touchdown against – I think the Falcons it was. Remember, he goes to Bobby Slowick and suggests what was the go-ahead touchdown. He suggests a play call. Literally drew it up right there in the dirt and suggested the Dalton adjustment Schultz. to Dalton Schultz on that play, which is basically kind of a fake six route, ends up running the seam and catching the touchdown. They didn't win that game, but that's how special he is. And right now, he also lowest interception percentage for a rookie in NFL history, it's the most interception percentage by any rookie in NFL history with a minimum of 200 pass attempts. He's only got one interception in 279 pass attempts. Uh, Dak Prescott, obviously prior to that, had the record. It was four interceptions and 459 pass attempts. So he takes great care of the football. And like I said, he's he's special. I mean, he's this 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 football is going into the Hall of Fame for this game too. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame twice already, which, uh, and basically halfway through his rookie year. All right. Unbelievable. 
that was one of my picks. I took the Texans, and somehow I was able to push that game because without a kicker, uh, Not a kicker. they didn't have a kicker, and they still found a way to win that football game. Pretty amazing. All right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, we'll go back to the Longhorns, back to the NFL as well, also for the end of the hour. A uh, little round of who said that to recap some good audio from the weekend. It's a busy Monday. Good, bad, and ugly on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hope. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Ooh, yeah, coming up for the top of the hour, we'll go uh, around to who said that, including to hear what Corey Seager said. that got all the Ranger fans and Ranger Nation to say, ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little trash talk. He went there. A little trash talk. Oh, Nothing yeah. Wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, all right, so the Longhorns now uh, looking forward after a uh, narrow victory. Uh, take the victory, take the dub, survive in advance. Longhorns get the win, uh, 33-30 to 30 in overtime. Uh, take Chris Kleiman's decision and run with it. Um, remember the Houston game, it was Dana Holgerson feeling, saying if we, hadn't gotten, if we had gotten that fourth down or the better spot, we were going for two to try yeah. to win that game. By the way, they did go for two to beat Baylor on Saturday. Did you see that? They, that was more understandable, actually. Yeah. Them uh, going for two than him, than Chris Kleiman going for it. Yeah, agreed. Right? Okay. Agreed. Yeah, yeah but uh, Holgerson – Got to tr- got to pull out that horns down play that he wanted to run against Texas. He had run it before with Will Greer, <laughs> yeah. and, and it worked. Yeah, at DKR, and they beat Baylor on Saturday. Yeah, uh, TCU lost, of course, last Thursday night to Texas Tech. That's the Longhorn' next opponent. The Longhorns a nine and a half point favorite to start the week. We'll see where that moves to. Obviously, we'll learn more today from Sark on uh, Quinn Ewers and uh, the other injured Longhorns' availability for that six thirty kick. Now, yep. uh, so while the Longhorns are looking forward to their tenth game of the year. The Longhorn basketball team is looking at its first game of the year tonight, Rod. It crept up on us. Yeah, man. I guess there's been so much focus on Texas football because it hasn't been this good. Like, games haven't mattered this much in November. Yeah, we're already so looking usually we're already about. moving up. We, hey, Texas basketball is starting up because we're already out of championship discussion. But since Texas basketball uh, has to be on the back burner a little bit because Texas football hadn't been talking about championship football in November for a long time. Well, and I'll also say this. Uh, this is a fun team. You know, I don't uh, – I'm excited to watch this team for Rodney Terry grow. Uh, what are they going to become? Because, look, this was an Elite Eight team a year ago that if not for the injury, um, gosh, to Dylan DeSue and then the injury in the game to, uh, uh, gosh, he was the, the guard that got, got injured in that game. Uh, there was Marcus Carr got hurt, had to go to the locker room and come back and wasn't the same guy. Uh, they might have been in the Final Four a year ago, right, making that run. Yeah. And uh, injuries kind of derailed them. And then Miami, give the Hurricanes credit. Well, the returns, this team has a ton of, of experience. That's the one thing for Texas basketball tonight when you watch this team, Rod. You have a starting lineup that will include returning starters Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell's now in his second year, Dylan DeSue, the senior sixth-year power forward. He'll be back at some point. Uh, they're probably going to hold him out till December. He's been rehabbing that foot injury. You also have Brock Cunningham, who's been around forever and a day, right? So you've got these solid returning players. And then you welcome seven new scholarship players to the program, led by uh, the one-man scoring machine, Max Asmus. At Oral Roberts, who was, you know, four-year starter at uh, Oral Roberts. Um, as this game tips off tonight, Rod, he's the 
the, the leading scorer in the country, career oh, yeah. scorer in the country. Uh, sharpshooter Ethel Horton came in from Central Florida. Caden Shedrick, the big man from Virginia, who has been cleared to play, and he's going to play in this game. Uh, this is this is an interesting team that's got a good mix of youth and experience, and then a good mix of backcourt and frontcourt. Yep. No, I think they. I, I don't think scoring will be an issue with this team actually. Uh, and we know that they're going to play pretty intense defense as yep. well. Uh, it, this, I mean, we'll see. But I, I, the big, the Big Twelve is really what it comes down to. It's not really about Texas. Texas is going to be a good team. It's going to be a lot of good teams in this conference. Yeah, so Houston it, and Baylor. It's going to be the best basketball conference Kansas. in the country again. Yeah. So that's really what concerns me. It's not that the Texas is going to be good. It's that can they reach their ceiling? It, yeah, can they actually reach that potential in a Big Twelve that is just an absolute? Well, you just, you just read off the names. I mean, Kansas, oh, Baylor, Houston. I mean, these are all Final Four caliber teams. Exactly. Kansas is going to start the, the season. New look Big 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a bad, it's a bad football conference, but it's a hell of a basketball conference. Uh, but I'm really excited for Tyrese Hunter to see his emergence this year because Tyrese, it turned out, was dealing with this kind of a medical condition that led to cramping, and they couldn't figure out why. I mean, they were keeping him full of fluids, but he would still cramp up at times, and it led to some, some, some of his struggles and like he'd wear down in games. He's on this medication now, and it's not happening. So do we get that Tyrese Hunter that we saw at Iowa State year one when he was all Big 12? If he does, he's going to be a great you know, floor general. Then you have Max Acemus, who can score with anybody. Theo Horton is a sharpshooter, about 6'4". Mm-hmm. Uh, brings that little bit of nasty on the defensive end, too. Dylan Mitchell, this is the one that has the highest ceiling to improve, right? Dylan Mitchell can go from you know, started every game but really was just a support player to becoming a focal point. And in their in their uh, exhibition game they played Rod and against St. Edwards, uh, he is lighting up the stat sheet with points, rebounds, block shots, assists. Uh, I look for Dylan Mitchell to have a, a big year, and let's see if he gets off to a good start tonight as a sophomore. Uh, Zarek Onyema is also a new name that came in from UTEP. He's just kind of a worker, uh, kind of replaces that Christian Bishop kind of role, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just goes to work for you. And then off the bench, you've got Kendall Weaver, uh, Caden Shedrick, whether he or Onyema will start, we'll see. Uh, Chris Johnson's the true freshman. Alex Anamekwe still on this team, and they'll get Dylan DeSue back at some point. Kendall Weaver is one to watch. He's the kid from UT Arlington who was a an all whack, you know, fr- freshman last year. They really like him, and his uh, they kind of think he's got a little bit of J- Sir Jabari Rice to his game, right? That he's one of those guys, a smooth player, can nice. shoot it, uh, a little you know, kind of sinewy, but at the same time can can stroke it and play defense. So, looking forward to seeing this team develop. They'll play their first game tonight against the Incarnate Word. Ugh. The, un- the University of the Incarnate Word. Yeah. I would they favor about, like, 20 points or something. Oh, I haven't even looked at that. I bet they That are. might be a Sex Panther pick for Ty they, coming up. I, think, I bet they're favored by some ridiculous number over Incarnate Word. Nothing against Incarnate Word. Just saying that's how good they think Texas is going to be this year. All right. So looking forward to that tonight. We're also talking Texas football, the Big 12. What did you see from college football outside of Austin that uh, – Stoked your interest. The LSU Alabama game was a good one. It was uh, a good one. until Jaden Daniels got hurt, and then Jalen Milrow looks different though. It just shows you it, your quarterbacks, just like your teams, should get better week to week. That's the struggle. Like Texas winning games, but you know I don't know if they're getting better week to week necessarily. That is the struggle for every team out there in the country, and some teams, you know, they end up. And peaking at the perfect time, right? Hitting their crescendo at the right time. That's what you want in all sports. Uh, for Alabama, you can tell Jalen Murrow, very different quarterback than the one. Four running touchdowns. Yeah, very. Well, he's just more, he's more decisive. 
and he's more confident as a runner. Like he's his skill set is still the same. He hasn't evolved his skill set. Any first of all, the offense now is more suited to his skill set. It seems like they were being stubborn in the way they were calling plays for him against, against oh, that's Texas. A, that's a new coordinator learning a new yes, quarterback. Yes, Tommy Reese, exactly. Now they, they seem like there's a lot more compatibility between the offense and his skill set, and now he's such a willing runner. Against Texas, he, it seems like he was trying to stay in the pocket at times, and they, I mean, they only had three design runs versus Texas. He would be a different – it'd be a different conundrum for Texas if they played this Alabama team with this Jalen Milrow. Yeah. They got him early, and that was a good thing. That is very good. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and now both of those teams are in the one-loss debate for the college football playoff mm-hmm. big picture if they keep on winning. But that was a big win for them to get past Huge LSU uh, by 14. And really, a game changed. Jaden Daniels was playing a heck of a game. Then he got hurt, took that big hit uh, from Dallas. Uh, what's his name? Dallas. Uh, oh, uh, Turner. Dallas Turner. Yeah. Big hit. Got him up under the jaw rattled him, and the game was not the same from that point yeah. on. But Brian Kelly's team just doesn't – it's amazing, an LSU team that doesn't play any defense. I know. It's, what, what, what year is this? What, what's going on yeah. here? I mean, so, you know, the, the top nine didn't change at all from last week to this week in the AP Top 25. The top nine remains the same. Georgia had about a battle with Missouri but won that game, a top 15 Missouri team. Missouri was game, but Georgia was better, mm-hmm. pulled away late. Uh, Ohio State struggled a little bit with Rutgers. They fell behind 9-7 at half, and then – you know, did what Ohio State does. Uh, not not a lot of style points there, though, for the Buckeyes. Marvin Harris had another big yeah. game. Michigan beat up Purdue. I haven't heard much on Michigan this week. We'll see what comes out from that. There was some chatter over the weekend that maybe, you know, the Big Ten may be moving in to do something. I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah, that's a lot of, lot of buzz, but no real yeah. action. Yeah. yeah. Also, Florida State won again. Uh, they just keep on rolling at number four. Washington pulled off the biggest win of the top five. They went and beat USC and – Ended the uh, defensive coach career of Alex Grinch, potentially. Yeah, they did. You're right. <laughs> Put him yeah. out. I think they went for like what, three, close to 300 yards or something Yeah, like you're that. going to think you got to stop Michael Penix, but no, no, we're going to run for 300 yards. <laughs> he broke tendency. They did. Because <laughs> they could. Right time, yeah. Uh, Oregon won again. Uh, so they're sitting at six. Texas sitting at seven. Bama right behind them. Uh, of course, uh, the only change was Ole Miss after beating the Aggies and giving uh, Jimbo Fisher his ninth consecutive road SEC loss. Nine in a row, Rod. It's still mm-hmm. been over two years since they've gone on the road and win an SEC game. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, they, Oklahoma loses, so yeah, that changes the complexion of the Big 12 championship hunt. Well, and as you're just tuning in at 9 o'clock, 9.30, Texas and Oak State are the front runners now. I mean, they, like we talked about the five-way tie all last week. Well, that five-way tie is now two. It is so fitting you got to see Gundy on your way out if you want to win the Big 12 tie. That is, that is fitting. It is. It is fitting. It is fitting because Gundy's giving you so much, so many issues, but he's giving everybody issues because he's a damn good coach, except for Oklahoma, who now he has bragging rights on the last – Time game, potentially. Screw that all-time record. We got the last one. <laughs> it is exactly how he would describe it, but I think it's fitting because he's a damn good football coach, and we've been talking about this. We talked about this before the season started. There's going to be a sleeper. There's going to be a team that rises up in the Big 12 that nobody saw coming. You just, it happens every year. It happens TCU last year. There will be a team like, man, we didn't see. How the hell? Where the hell they come from? Oklahoma State's that team. And Oklahoma State's been that team probably two or three times since Gundy's been there. Nobody really saw Oklahoma State coming. We just didn't see it coming. He was – Playing three damn quarterbacks to start the season, rotating them like some kind of sociopath, rotating three quarterbacks and justifying it to his fans. And they're thinking at the time, all right, Gundy has definitely lost it. He's putting a George Costanza. He's trying to get fired. So we need to help him out, and we need to think about what his buyout is, who's going to be next head coach. And in a, in a three-week span, it went from Gundy's probably on his way out. He got We got to get this guy fired. They're posting, like, his buyout details online to, damn. 
uh, Oklahoma State might be in the Big 12 title game, looks like. Yeah. And it's like, Cause, what? Because <laughs> they settled on Alan Bowman, and then they started handing the ball to Ollie Gordon the second out of Fort Worth, Texas, and he's gone crazy. He's gone crazy. And uh, they got some favorable officiating, I thought, in the game in Stillwater, but they did enough to beat the, Cow- to beat the Sooners, and uh, they have all-time bragging rights. So, yes, I mean, Texas has TCU. They're a 10-point favorite in that game. Then they're going to go to Iowa State where they'll be a favorite. Uh, they also host Texas Tech on Black Friday. Uh, Oklahoma State will play UCF, BYU, and Houston the rest of the way. So nav- navigatable. Um, you know, they, they, they could win that. I think two of them are in Stillwater, too. Uh, so this is now – you now have clear front runners. I mean, right now, Oklahoma State and Texas control their destiny. Mm-hmm. I think you're dead right about that. When the, the schedule came out, you kind of said, oh, man, it's okay. We don't care if West Virginia's not on the schedule. That's fine. But Oak State, we need one more shot. You, you know, yeah. now, now you might get it. You might get it. Yeah. And it might be for the ship. Uh, I, 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 I didn't mind not seeing him in the regular season. He has given well, Texas. You certainly don't want to see him in Stillwater, but he's Man. also come here and won quite. Well, you a don't bit. want exactly. You don't want to see him as a home underdog. I think he has as a home dog now. He's won ten of his last eleven games straight up as a home dog. You don't want to play Gundy. He loves being a home dog. He loves it. He got because he got that dog in him. He does. So. And, you know, he, he can hates, hates NIL, hates the transfer portal. <laughs> he's just – he's everything you don't want the future of college football to be, except he's a, he's a good old ball You coach. know what's funny? It, it's very <laughs> – I've said this many times, but it's very similar to Mike Leach, that there are people in Stillwater that just don't like the guy. Yeah. Like, like they're even Oklahoma State fans. They're like, man, he rubs me the wrong way. He doesn't recruit. He loses to Oklahoma all the time. He doesn't believe in NIL. But he just wins. Just and so, wins. you you know, you're like, well. And I always said the same thing about Mike Leach. I mean, I may not like his ways, but at the same time, who else can win at that level in that place? Exactly. If you got rid of Mike Gundy, who else could you bring in that could do anything close to what this guy's done? Nobody. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't believe so. I'm sure I don't believe anybody can come in and do what he's done. It's Because he does so much more with so less. So much less, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it just, it's so fewer resources than everybody else. And like I said, he, he does – by the way, it's just, some of it's his own fault. Like, it's his own doing. His stubborn attitude towards NIL and transfer portal. Or remember what he said about Trace Ford, the kid that went transferred to Oklahoma. <laughs> Basically, like, he didn't even recognize him and uh, didn't even know his name. I mean, he is stubborn and he is bullish about his philosophy and about his beliefs, all that kind of stuff. And even off the field, people think he's really controversial because he'll speak whatever's on his mind and say whatever's on his mind. But when it comes to winning football games – my Gundy. Well, can I give you a number? Coach. And we had our What the Fact segment earlier this morning, but that was Gundy's 100th career Big 12 victory. 100th, joining Bob Stoops and Bill Snyder as the only league coaches to reach that mark. Uh, it was only his fourth win in 19 tries against the Sooners, but 100 now as a Big 12 uh, coach. Rashad Owens, the receiver, had a, 10 catches, 136. Alan Bowman, 334. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Ali Gordon had his, uh, not the 270-yard game like he's been having, but he had 33 carries for 137. That's one thing Gundy will do. He'll hand it to a running back yes, 33 times. Yeah. 33 times. Ali Gordon, right now, Ali Gordon's the most productive running back in the Big 12. Might be running to a Doak Walker award if he keeps this up. I think you're right. Uh, Jonathan Brooks of the Longhorns will be in that conversation. If he get 33 carries in a game. <laughs> David, go back to the start conversation. Yeah. He probably, you know, should have had that, that, that amount in this game. Should've. He got nicked up, too, though. He, he did. He up. twisted he his ankle up. early. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll go, uh, who said that, Rod? Who said Some that? audio from a busy weekend and try to decide who that is. Uh, we're rolling. It's uh, Hook em Up with Ian Rod B on a Monday. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B on the horn. Ooh,
Who said it is right? It is uh, one of the more fun segments of the morning. We uh, go five hours, but this one is where we play some audio uh, from the weekend. Well, the day before, but coming in on a Monday, Rod, it's from the weekend. Who said that? I'm going to play this for you to start it, Rod. This happened on Friday. Actually, okay. the first part of this happened uh, about a month ago. The other part happened on Friday. See if you can tell who these two characters are stoking the Astros-Rangers rivalry. A lot of people were wondering what it was going to be like if the Strohs didn't win the division. I guess we'll never know. I just got one thing to say. You know, everybody was wondering what would happen if the Rangers didn't win the World Series. I guess we'll never know. There they go. Brown, you probably know who that is. Um... Um, you just said it. I, now his, his name is like, Corey Seager. Corey Seager. Yes. Yeah, that was Alex Bregman first. Yes. Remember when the Astros won the division Corey on the Seager. final day and then uh, popped off a little bit, popped some champagne, and uh, Alex Bregman said if the, you know, what would happen if the Astros didn't win the division. The Astros did win the division for the sixth straight year, but right. the Rangers won the World Series. It's yeah. on, Rod. It's well, on. Rivalry on. Hey, man. They, they really Astros fans got nothing to say. Nope, <laughs> right? Nothing to say. They got they got scoreboard they, and they got the uh, the World Series. So uh, until next season, we can get it on. Uh, all right, uh, who said that? Ty, I sent you a bunch of pieces. Um, line one of them up, dial one up for us. Who said that? Oh, you mentioned there's not much difference between the two play callers, but were there differences in tempo and in in any? maybe names tonight or these ideas and who would you like to see that were up to you be the play caller going forward? I mean, at that point, you just asked me just a setup question at that. Like, like you just, you just want just a headline question. I'm not even going to answer that. Honestly, I can't answer that. <laughs> who is that? Who said that? I don't even know who that is. That is uh Shadur Sanders. Oh, that is Dion's son. Also the starting quarterback for the Colorado Buffaloes. Remember Dion, Changed offensive coordinators last week. Prior to this game, he, uh, they decided to change offensive coordinators, and I'm not sure it worked out like they thought um, after they changed offensive coordinators. So right now, Dion's in a little bit of hot water because there are some people saying that only reason he changed offensive coordinators is because the offense was getting his kiss son sacked too much. Yes. That's a conspiracy theory is that his son was getting sacked a lot and it wasn't because of the productivity of the offense it was because he was getting sacked too much and if he gets sacked a lot he might get hurt if he gets hurt, hurts not only the team but the draft stock too. So, And now quarterback, quarterback sacks is now considered at least half responsibility of that is on the quarterback. It, that the, the quarterback's got to get rid of the football. So a lot of that may be on him too and that was also kind of one of the conspiracy theories. Colorado, they only had 238 yards of offense versus Oregon State. And Pat Shermer is now the OC. You know, they were averaging 408 yards of offense under Sean Lewis in the previous eight games, and he was the OC. So. All right, let me play this for you, Rod. It was a crazy Sunday in the NFL with some heavyweight matchups. Cowboys disappointed. Also, uh, Texans with a historic performance from their rookie quarterback, uh, uh, Corey uh, C.J. Stroud that you've talked about. Also, they had to go without their kicker for the whole game. They had to bring a running back in to make kicks and kick off, which was incredible. But how about the, the performance uh, from this head coach? Uh, this is a head coach in the National Football League. Who said this, Rod? If you've been here for about 10 minutes, yep. yeah. or Daniil Hunter and some of the, you guys that have been here, to Harrison Smith, you've been in this locker room a long time. And we needed every last guy today. Every last guy. All right? But I want to highlight a couple guys because that felt like the most team win I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Uh, Greg Joseph, 11 points, 3 of 3 field goals. Right, how about this guy? Showed up to the stadium today, had no idea 
He was going to go out there and play every single snap on offense for us. David Questenberry. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell? Yeah, Kevin O'Connell. Okay. Minnesota Vikings won a game with, as he went through, a bunch of guys stepping up, but no more than Josh Dobbs, who got traded to the Vikings on Tuesday of the trade deadline. Was supposed to be the backup quarterback, so they had the rookie quarterback who was coming in for Kirk Cousins, a kid from BYU, took all the reps during the week to get him some reps ready and ready for the game with the Falcons. It's amazing. Within the first quarter, Josh Dobbs is on the field and playing with players he's never played with. He knew and like balling. And balling out. Playing well. Ran a touchdown, threw a touchdown, let him do a win. Here at Atlanta, you got to wonder how that just happened. But Josh Dobbs, that's some – talk about stepping up, next man up mentality, Rob. That's fantastic. That's a great story. Yeah, he's had a whirlwind of a season so far. Yeah, he went Half from Pittsburgh with- to Arizona, <laughs> then Arizona to right? Minnesota. He's had a whirlwind of a season, but good for him, man. Hey, as a backup quarterback in the league, that's how you make a career out of it. Yeah. When you, when you get your shot – Make the most out of it. That's why. Had, they had every reason to fold up and lose that game on the road. Mm-hmm. Yep. Down to their third quarterback that, who just got there. That'll keep him as a backup quarterback in the league another five to six years, no matter if he ever performs again. Because they were like, he had it on tape. He's done it. You well, see him do it. Vikings are now over 500. Mm-hmm. Five and four after their terrible start. Good stuff on who said that. Uh, we'll play some more good audio coming up, including Steve Sarkeesian from the postgame locker room, the victorious locker room with Texas. Also, Cowboys, disappointing finish. What could have been? Also, we'll hear more about C.J. Stroud and the Texans' performance. We roll on into our fabulous fifth hour on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Hey, 